And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, we'll continue our month-long Christmas programming with Author's Playhouse from 1941. Then, it's part one of a comedy episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, as Fibber paints the Christmas tree white from 1945. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? What'd you buy me for Christmas? Did you shop yet? Um, I'm thinking about it. I'm a large. I'm, I'm most I'm of the checking time. checking it twice. Unless it's like a Donna Karen, then you'd have to give me extra large because she runs uh, small. I'll keep that in mind when I'm searching out the brands. Mike, what did you get me for Christmas? Something wonderful, I'm, I'm sure. It will be as soon as I get a paycheck from you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All boils down to that. Well, we are in the midst of Christmas programming, and uh, I pulled out a very rare show. It's called Author's Playhouse. This was a drama that came to radio in 1940, lasting until 1945. It was created by Wynn Wright, and it featured radio dramatizations by famous authors. It was broadcast from Chicago, and the casts included Curly Bradley, John Hodiak, Marvin Miller, Nelson Olmsted, Olin Soule, and Les Tremaine. Interestingly, Lisa, as you know and as Mike knows, I produced the Twilight Zone radio dramas, and there was an actress that I used to cast in the Twilight Zone radio dramas from Chicago. Her name was Fern Parsons, and Fern is in the cast of this particular show. She was a mature woman when she was in my Twilight Zone radio broadcast. I don't believe she's still uh, living, but she was in this program we're about to hear, which is kind of interesting. Having uh, having worked with her, a very nice lady. This is called Christmas by Injunction. It stars Clarence Hartzell. Let's go back to December 21st, 1941 for part one of Author's Playhouse. Author's Playhouse, presenting No Henry's imperishable masterpiece, Christmas by Injunction. Author's Playhouse, NBC's popular Sunday night dramatic series, brings you radio adaptations of the best in the field of short stories. Selections from the works of those dead and living who were and are acknowledged masters of their craft. To the reader of short stories, O. Henry needs no introduction. No one knew better than he the art of holding his reader in suspense. And then, with the last few words revealing his plot in its entirety... Rachel Lindsay wrote of him, he always worked a triple hinge surprise to end the scene and make one rub his eyes. Tonight's tale of Christmas in the winning camps of the young West is no exception. Author's Playhouse presents O. Henry's Christmas by Injunction. 
Sir, uh, take this jug along with you, Cherokee. Ain't so much as an air bubble between what's in it and the cord. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. That's right neighborly of uh, It's good for snake bite if you get snake bit. Oh, in case of one pies and fight each other, I reckon. Eh? <laughs> oh, Cherokee. Oh, yes, Jedge. Is there nothing which we, your fellow citizens of Yellowhammer, can say or do to influence you to forsake your plans for departing from our mist? Yeah, I'm afeard not, Judge. No, my mind's made up. But, Cherokee, you are the, shall I say, the civic father of Yellowhammer. He sure is. It was you who discovered the gold which was responsible for the establishment of our fair city. I reckon that's a fact, Judge. One day when old Betsy here was a dining on porch and prickly pear, I turned up that nugget. Mm. Thirty ounces she was. Thirty ounces, eh? Yeah, but what Cherokee done? He didn't hold out on his friends. No. I was up in the Gila country when they got word to me about the strike he made. For me, I, I was in Santa Fe, as busted as a four-car diamond flush with a club draw to it. <laughs> I, too, was financially embarrassed. Only, only temporarily, of course, when the gladsome tidings reached me in El Paso. I was up on the Salt River, flattered in one of Mama Cita Rosa's frijoles. <laughs> You see, Cherokee, merely because a fickle goddess turned her back on you for the moment is hardly sufficient cause for you to forsake your friend. Oh, no, Judge, no. When my claim played out, it just played out. I'm much more uh, obliged to all of you for your kind offers made, but grubstake is all I need, and the grubstake's what I got. I reckon I'll prospect up along in the Mariposas. And if I strike it up there, I'll most certainly pass the word along. Yes, sure. Thank you, boys. If your mind's made up, I reckon it's made up. There's nothing more we can say. But if Lady Luck don't see fit to warm her hands by your campfire up in the Mariposas, don't forget for a single minute you got friends here in Yellowhammer. Friends, it's beholden to you. Um, yes, sir, that's right. Indeed, yes, yes, indeed, Cherokee. I speak for all when I say, I hope you will consider Yellow Hammer in perpetual debt to you for bed, bacon and eggs, and hot water for shaving. Yes, thank you, gents, thank you. It's more than white here. Well, we better be getting. Move along, Bessie. Hi, Jack. Good luck, watch out for snakes, Cherokee. Don't forget, Cherokee. Whatever call you may make upon us, the yellow heifer will never forget. It's Romulus and Remus. Uh, uh, what day of the month is it getting to be? Uh, what do you make it, Jet? It is now December the 20th, gentlemen. The old year is fast approaching its inevitable descent into the limbo of things that have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Jet. Hey, Jens, look who's here. Holy! He just got in with the mail from Albuquerque, and he's got news of Cherokee. Baldy, you old buzzard, step up and name your poison. Hey, hey Jens, don't mind if I do. Uh, when was it old Cherokee headed out for the Mariposas? Well, latter part of May, seems like. Yeah, that's yeah. what I made it. That means Cherokee's been gone one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven months. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let us hear the welcome tidings Baldy brings us of our long-absent friend. The judge is right. Get to talking, Baldy. Well, I'll do that, gents. Well, sir, what do I see in Albuquerque? 
But Cherokee all embellished and festooned up like the Tsar of Turkey and lavishing money in bulk. Wow. Yes, sir. And him and me see the elephant and the owl. Cherokee, he audits all bills, COD. Why, his pockets loaded like, uh, looked like a pool table after a 15 ball run. <laughs> Cherokee must have struck payor. Yep. Well, he's a square shooter and I'm proud for him. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like he had rambled down to Yellowhammer and set up around for his friends. It seems that way. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let us judge not too hastily nor harshly. Well, that's right, Judge. I'm a coming to that. Boys, Cherokee strikes a three foot vein up in that Mariposa. That I say is a trip to Europe to the Tons. Oh, oh yes, sir. And he closes it out to a syndicate for a hundred thousand hasty dollars in cash. Cherokee's oh, smart. Yeah. I've seen them veins pinch out in the length of a pick handle. Yes. And what do you think? Why, he buys himself a baby sealskin overcoat and a red sled. And what do you reckon he takes into his head to do next? Chuck luck? No. Bought a saloon? No. Got married? No. You gents would never guess in a million years, so I'll tell you. Well... Cherokee took me to a room and showed me. He got that room plumb full of drums and dolls and skates and bags of candy and jumping jacks and whistles and such infantile trucks. He's went soft-headed. That's what he's done. Pray continue, Baldy. We're all ears. Well, sir, he's a-going to load up in his red sleigh. Uh, Now, now, wait a minute. Don't order the drinks yet. He's a-going to drive down here to Yellowhammer and give the kids... The kids of this here town, the biggest crying doll and little giant boys tool chest blowout that was ever seen west of Cape Hatteras. Well, I'm astonished. I'm speechless. Uh, uh, Baldy, didn't you tell him? Well, no, I never exactly seen my way to. Why not? Cherokee had this Christmas mess already bought and paid for, and he was all flattered up with self-esteem over his ideas, so I... I never let on. Uh, I cannot refrain from a certain amount of surprise that our friend Cherokee should possess such an erroneous conception of uh, his, as it were, hometown. Well, Cherokee's been gone from Yellowhammer most seven months. Now, lots of things could happen in that length of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is he to know there ain't a single kid in this town? And so far as emigration's concerned, unexpected. Come to think of it, it's funny some ain't drifted in. Well, I reckon a town ain't settled enough yet to bring in the teeth and ring brigade. Yeah, not only that, to top off these Christmas tree splurge of Cherokees, he's a fixin' to give an imitation of Santa Claus. Oh, oh, Why, sure. Why, he's got white wig and whiskers that disfigures him and makes him look like the pictures of this here William Cullen Longfellow in the poetry book. And a red suit of fur-trimmed underwear, eight-ounce gloves, and stand-up, lay-down, crocheted cap. Well, Baldy, uh, when does Cherokee allow to come over with his truck? Morning before Christmas. Uh-huh. Now, he wants you folks to have a room fixed up and a tree hauled and ready. But he said, be sure and keep it a secret from the kids. Oh, kids. Yeah. Uh, to think that the voice of childhood has never gladdened our city. The patter of restless little feet never consecrated its streets. Nowhere in Yellowhammer are there roguish, expectant eyes, ready to open wide at dawn of the enchanting day. Uh, Eager, uh, tiny hands to reach for Santa's bewildering array of gifts. Uh, Elated, childish voicings of the season's joy. That's right, Judge. Well, uh, 
Cherokee also made mention he'd appreciate uh, whatever assistance the women folks of Yellowhammer might care to render for his little soiree. Well, there ain't but one female woman in town, Baldy. Yeah. Miss Walker, the assayer. Yeah, uh, that's uh, right. You, uh, you forget uh, Miss Fanchon Spangler in the troupe at the Opera House. <laughs> An estimable lady, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and if worse come to worst, maybe Miss Fanchon could play like she was a little girl for Cherokee, like she done in that show, uh... The miner's bride. No, 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 Thirsty. Uh, her performance was adequate, uh, circumstances taken into consideration. But between her delineation and the visions of adolescence, which fancy conjures as eligible recipients of Cherokee's bounty, there is a gulf. Hmm? Yes, I may say a gulf. Share meeting of the leading citizens of Yellowhammer for a mighty special reason. What, well, what is it? Well, it'd be a disgrace to Yellowhammer if it throwed Cherokee down on his Christmas tree blowout. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, as for me, I'm a gonna see what can be done to give Santa Claus a square deal. Yeah, that's right. Where would you? My cooperation would be gladly forthcoming, Trinidad. Thank you, Judge. But I do not see. Uh, well, uh, frankly, heretofore, I have regarded the absence of children rather as a uh, luxury. But in this instance, uh, still, I do not see... Look at me, Jed, and you'll see old ways and me's with a fur on. With a fur I'm going to hitch up a team and rustle a load of kids for Cherokees down the chimney act. If I got a robin orphan I will accompany you. Wiley Wilson and his old lady that's homesteading down Wild Horse Canyon has got a whole parcel of kids. Well, they could loan out a couple or so and never know they was gone. Yeah, and don't forget to wit a singletary over towards Wildcat Crossing. When old man Singletary cashed in his chips last summer, he left her with anyways a dozen or so young'uns, sorted sizes and ages. Have no fear, gentlemen. When Trinidad and I return, we shall be accompanied by our bevy of laughing, carefree children. <laughs> if the mountain refuses to come to Muhammad. Behold, Muhammad will go to the mountain. This is Wiley Wilson's place, Judge. I'll call him out. Oh, Wiley! Wiley Wilson! I'm Wiley Wilson. Is there something I can do for you, Jen? Well, it's this way, Mr. Wilson. We're from Yellowhammer, and we come uh, kidnapping. Kidnapping? What? Just in a gentle sort of way, you might say, Mr. Wilson. Seems like one of our leading citizens is stung with a Santa Claus affliction, and well, he's doing town tomorrow night with half the falter alls that's painted red and says mama when you squeeze him. In other words, Mr. Wilson, the season of the year having approximately arrived during which it is the custom to bestow frivolous but oft appreciated gifts among the young... Now, where we're between wait, wait. a hard spot uh, and a rock is the youngest kid we got in Yellowhammer packs a forty-five and a safety razor. So, consequent, we're mighty shy on somebody to say oh and oh when we... Light the candles on Christmas. Uh, may I say, Mr. Wilson, we have discovered for the first time in our embryonic but progressive little city the inconvenience of the absence of adolescence. So, partner, 
If you loan us a few kids, we guarantee to return them safe and sound on Christmas Day. And they'll come back all loaded down with a good time at Swiss Family Robinsons and cornucopias, red drums, and similar testimonials. Well, what do you say, Mr. Wilson? I understand, and I don't reckon the need to detain you, gents. Me and the old woman's got seven kids, so to speak, but running my mind over the bunch, I don't appear to hit upon none we could spare for you to take over to your doing. Uh, but, but couldn't we perhaps uh, divide them, Mr. Wilson? Say, uh, four for you and uh, three for us. We should be happy to accept the uh, leavings. There ain't no leavings, gents, when they yawn. Oh, me. No, gents, thank you kindly, but I can't seem to fall in with the idea of letting none of them go. Look, Miss Singletary, you got 12 kids, ain't you? Well, I did have the last time I counted them. But land of living, riding herd on them young'uns is a 24-hour-a-day job. Exactly, madam. That is why the absence of one would pass on notice, I am confident. <laughs> mm. uh, we will see that he or she or it returns to you on Christmas Day, laden with sufficient toys and goodies to lavish the season's cheer upon your entire flock. If that ain't just like a man. Why, if a single one was missing tomorrow night when they hang up their stockings, the other eleven would take on and beller till you could probably hear them all the way to Yellowhammer. But surely, madam, one... If you took one, you might as well take all. And you needn't worry none about that. Well, what kind of a mother would I be, loaning out my own flesh and blood on Christmas Eve? I'd be a female Judas. That's what I'd be. <laughs> Jed, the further we go, the worse it gets. We've been out most two days now, and tomorrow's Christmas. We ain't been able to rustle so much as one young The situation is indeed becoming critical. It's beginning to creep on my faculties that boring kids at Christmas is something like trying to steal butter from a man that's got hot pancakes a-coming. Trinidad, what is yon abode? Oh, that's where Juan Fernandez lives. He's a section hand on the railroad. Perchance that our Fernandez progeny? Oh, old shack full, Judge, but I misdoubt we can bore you any. Them Mexicanos set a heap of store by Christmas. We can but try. Angels can do no more. On, Trinidad. On to the Fernandez Menage. <laughs> Buenas tardes, Juan. Oh, buenas tardes, señor. Juan, we were just a wondering if you'd let us borrow one or maybe two of them uh, machachos of yours. You mean to take los niños? Well, just for tonight. We'll bring them back tomorrow, safe and sound. And, and nobly enriched in material possession. No, 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 señores. Madre de Dios. Conchita, she will kill me if todos los niños are not here for Navidad. All right, Juan. We'll just leave it go at that. Do you know anybody around here that's got from one kid on up for hire or borrow? This senora, she's come last week where the railroad man's they eat. She have one, muchacho. Oh, that's the railroad cafe at the Granite Junction, Judge. Oh? Uh, muchas gracias, Juan. Oh, the case, Listen, senor. Navidad de Año Nuevo. Gracias, Giddy up, Nib. Giddy up, Nelly. On, Trinidad, on. And may success crown this despairing effort. <laughs> Ma'am, that's why we'd be mighty proud if you'd let him take 
And uh, you may place the utmost trust in our integrity, madam. Well, I'd count it a mercy if you would take Bobby for a while. I'm on the go from early morning until late at night, and I don't have time to tend to him. He's learning bad habits from the men, too. It'll be the only chance you'll have to get me Christmas. Bobby! Oh, Bobby! What do you want? Come on in, Bobby. These gentlemen want to talk to you. All right. Tell them to keep their shirts on. That's a good boy, son. Knocking the snow off your boots. Here are the gentlemen that want to talk to you. What do they want? Well, it's like this, Bobby. Over in Yellowhammer, we got our Christmas tree that's all lit up like a country church. And we're hereby inviting you to join up with us and make merry and festive. And moreover, my young friend, Santa Claus himself will personally distribute the offerings, which will typify the gifts conveyed by the shepherds of Bethlehem. To ah, one come old... off. I ain't no kid. There ain't no Santa Claus. It's your folks that buys toys and sneaks them in when you're asleep. They make marks in the soot with tongs to look like Santa's sleigh tracks. That might be so. I ain't no authority on the subject. But Christmas trees ain't no fairy tale. This and we got looks like the ten-cent store in Albuquerque all strung up in the redwood. There's tops and drums and Noah's arts and... Ah, rats. I cut them out long ago. I'd like to have a rifle. Not a target one, but a real one to shoot wildcats with. But I guess you won't have any of them in your old tree. Well, I can't say for sure. It might be. You go along with us and see. Mm. All right. I'll go with you. But if there ain't a real rifle on that tree, you can bring me right back here. Well, Cherokee, there's a tree all trimmed up and just waiting for Santa Claus and his reindeers. Well, say, it's right pretty, Miss Walker. And I'm mighty pleased to you and Miss Spangler for helping us get it all shored up and ready to delight the youngins. Oh, Mr. Cherokee, yeah. I think what you're planning to do tonight is one of the sweetest things I've ever heard of in all my life. You have a heart. A heart of purest gold. Ah, oh, Miss Spangler, it ain't nothing. <laughs> well, when them kids is rounded up, light the candles on the tree, and set them to play in Pussy Watcher Corner and King William. And when they get going good at it, my old saddle just slide in the door. <laughs> hey, uh, I reckon there's uh, plenty of gifts to go around, huh? I'm sure there is, Cherokee. Oh, yes, of course. Well, I'd better be a-getting. I'll put on my costume, and when I hear the kids a-squealing and taking on over the Christmas tree, ha-ha, I'll just mosey back. I <laughs> That's the first portion of Author's Playhouse. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Author's Playhouse. It's the most beautiful tree I've ever seen. It is pretty, ain't it? Mm. Uh, Tex? Yes? Yeah. Uh, while you're up on that ladder, that star ain't quite straight. Tip it a mite more towards the window, will you? Sure thing you know, Miss Walker. Now there, how's that? That's just fine, Tex. 
Yeah, driving up in front now, Miss Walker. And the children, bless their baby hearts. Are the children with them? Snowing so thick, it's hard to tell. They got one maverick in tow. I can see him. Might on the ruddy side, I'd say. Well, open the door, Tex, and let him in. Now, everybody get ready and wish Merry Christmas when they all come streaming in, huh? Shucks. I've seen fancier Christmas trees than that one lots of times. Kennedy. Dad. Where are all the other children? Well, ma'am, the prospecting for kids at Christmas time is like, well, like hunting, well, it's like hunting in limestone for silver. Hmm. This sheer young biped, ma'am, is all that washes out of our two days maneuver. Oh, the sweet little boy. Ah, shut up. <gasps> Who's a kid? You ain't your bet. Fresh little imp. Uh, may, may I say that we exerted ourselves to the utmost, but results were nil, uh, or practically so. Me and the judge, we'd done the best we could. It's tough on Cherokee, but it can't be helped. Everybody get ready. Here comes Santa Claus now. Hey, there he comes. comes. Whoa, Nancy. Oh, Francis. Oh, Dr. just telling his reindeer to stop. Don't give me that. Reindeer's live in Alaska. I'll bet two bins are against a plug of chewing tobacco. All those are as a team of mules or horses. Well, uh, prepare, uh, prepare for the entrance of Chris Pringle. Swing wide the portal text that the Jolly Saints entrance may be all impeded. Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, little boy. Anything you see on that tree that you want, we'll get it down for you. <laughs> Won't you shake hands with Santa Claus? There ain't no Santa Claus. Huh? You just got on old billy goat whiskers in your face. I ain't no kid. What I want with dolls and tin horses? The driver said you'd have a rifle, and you ain't. I want to go home. I'm sorry, Cherokee. There never was a kid in Yellowhammer. Me and the judge, we tried to rustle a bunch of them for your soiree, but well, this sardine was all we could catch. And he's an atheist and don't believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking about, but it never occurred to me in my cogitations that there wasn't no kids in Yellowhammer. Nary a one, Cherokee. This jack snipe here we had to import. Well, he'll be better than none at all. <clears throat> uh, come here, little boy. What do you want? Oh, I just wanted to propound a civil question or two. Where do you live? Granite Junction. Mama runs a railroad eating house. I can roll a cigarette one-handed just as good as a man can. Sometimes they give me chewing tobacco and cigarettes that's already rolled. Uh, I see. <clears throat> and you don't take no stock in this here Santa Claus ring roller. Nah, that's just for babies. Well, that being the case, I can't see no good and valid reason not to take off these here false whiskers and wings. Sure, take them off. You ain't fooling me a Please. bit. <sighs> Say, I know your mug all right. Did you ever see me before? I never seen you before, but I seen your picture lots of times. Where? On a bureau at home. Hey, let's have your name, if you please, bub. It's Robert Lumsden. The picture belongs to my ma. She puts it under her pillar at night. Once I saw her kiss it, I wouldn't. Well, women are funny that way. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, uh, Trinidad. Yeah, Cherokee? Uh, keep this boy by and like come back. You bet you I will, Cherokee. I'm going to peel off these here Christmas duds and hitch up my sleigh. I'm going to take this kid home. 
Got a match? Yep. Oh, powerful. How about slip me one? What for? What for? To light this cigarette. Throw that cigarette away. Yes, sir. Throw the whole package, too. Yes, sir. Say, I like you. I don't know why. Nobody ever made me do nothing I didn't want to do before. Hey, tell me, kid. Are you sure your ma kissed that picture that looked like me? Dead sure. I seen her do it. Uh, didn't you remark some time a spell back that uh, you wanted a rifle? You bet I did. Will you get me one? Tomorrow. Silver mounted. Gee! <laughs> Half past nine. We'll hit the junction plumb on time with Christmas Day. <laughs> Are you cool? <laughs> Sit closer, son. Christmas by Injunction, one of O. Henry's greatest short stories especially adapted for Author's Playhouse by Jack Mitchell. The cast of tonight's presentation included Cliff Sabir as Cherokee, Curly Bradley as Trinidad, Sidney Elstrom as the judge, and Jerry Spellman as Bobby. In the supporting cast were Fern Persons, Harriet Allen, Eva Parnell, Hilda Graham, Dan Bowers, Clarence Hartzell, Percy Hemus, Carl Cronkey, and Michael Romano. The original musical score was written and conducted by Roy Shield. Father's Playhouse originates in our Chicago studios as a Red Network presentation of the National Broadcasting Company. And that's Author's Playhouse from December 21st, 1941, with Christmas by Injunction, starring Clarence Hartzell. And that was sustained over the NBC radio network. Before we tune into Fibber McGee and Molly, I want to remind all of our listeners about our classic radio club. And we have a special announcement. If you are interested in joining our classic radio club and receive 10 classic radio shows, sent to you each and every month. Well, there's now two ways you can do this. You can have the CDs sent to you, five CDs, ten shows, every single month mailed to your home, or you can choose the digital option. When you go to ClassicRadioClub.com, you'll see now you can save money and not pay shipping and handling and get a digital option of the 10 classic radio shows emailed right to your computer and you can listen to them on any smartphone or your computer or however you want to listen to them. We'll also send you with the files a PDF of the liner notes that I write about each one of these shows. So you can join the club and get CDs sent to you with the liner notes or you can choose the digital option. You will save money it's only $9.99 a month for 10 shows. It's less than a dollar a show, plus you get the liner notes as well. So do check it out. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. 
Okay, time for a Christmas episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. And you both like Fibber McGee and Molly, right? Yes. What do you like the most about Fibber McGee and Molly? Um, I like Fibber's closet. Yeah, you do? <laughs> <laughs> like when he opens it and all the it's junk falls out? kind of like out. your house. Yeah, exactly. You know, big, messy closet. Yeah, huge mess that I live in. <laughs> Let's go back to December 18th, 1945. Fibber gets creative and paints the Christmas tree white. Here's part one of Fibber McGee and Molly. Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. There are certain people who simply won't admit that nature does anything right. They are the kind who gild cattails, paint Whose Little Tootsie Are You on the shells of baby turtles, and clip poodle dogs to look like anemic lions. Here's one of those people now, as we meet Fibber McGee and Molly. Hey, Fred, how much you charge me to paint this Christmas tree white? Why do you want it white, McGee? What do you mean, why do I want it white? You got a hundred trees in this lot you've painted white? Yeah, and I think they're horrible. What? Some people like them that way. Never mind the artistic comment, Fred. How much? Ten dollars. Ten dollars? To spray a little white paint on this half-pint tree? Who do you think you are, Rembrandt? <laughs> Look, looky here, maybe you didn't understand, Fritz. I want this tree painted white, not gold-plated. Ten bucks. You're a pirate, and I'll bet you've made $200 already today. You're a cheapskate, and I've made $340. <laughs> You're a robber, and you want to sell a half interest in this joint? You're a stoop, and I wouldn't sell my own mother a half interest. You're a low-down no Oh, dirty, a dirty swindler. Ten bucks to spray a little tree white. The rat. Cheating people right and left. Making 400 bucks a day. Chiseler, whether to report him to the OPA or make him a better offer for a half interest. <laughs> Load down Chiseler. What's the matter, about... McGee? This time. It's that guy Fred Corrigan that runs the Christmas tree lot at 14th and Oak. That dirty pine broker. One <laughs> to charge me ten bucks to paint our Christmas tree white. Well, that does seem a little high, dearie. But think of the work there is to it. Putting all those needles back on after the paint dries? <laughs> they don't take the needles off. They just spray the trees. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That's all there is to it. Well, if whooshing will make it so, why don't you do it yourself? If it's a $10 job, I can't afford to pay myself that much. <laughs> Besides, I haven't got a paint spray, so... Hey! Haven't we got a paint spray attachment on the vacuum cleaner? Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. I can have that tree painted white before you can say, don't it look awful? <laughs> now, McGee, please, I realize we need the house painted, but not on the inside. Let's leave the tree green. Oh, you'll love a white one, Snooky. It's the modern thing. Nobody uses green trees anymore. They're outmooded. Hmm. <laughs> you don't say. Well, tell me, Salvador. <clears throat> what color snow are people using this year? Chartreuse? No kidding, Molly. White Christmas trees are all the rage. Everybody. They does. must be. They throw me into one. Now look, sweetheart. Just put the tree up and trim it. I love a green Christmas tree. Don't you, Alice? No, I wouldn't. Look, Molly. I'll put it up to Alice fair and square, and let her give an opinion. Here's the preposition, kid. 
If you were going to have a Christmas tree, which would you rather have? A dusty, drab, dirty old green one or a bright, snappy, glistening white one? Which, Alice? Mistletoe. (laughs) Mistletoe. What an answer. Well, jeepers, don't you like to hang up a little bouquet of mistletoe, Mr. McGee? Oh, he's too shy, Alice. (laughs) I am not shy. What good is mistletoe? Catch somebody under it, and it's either somebody you can kiss anyway, like your wife, or you get a slap in the chops before you can point up to it. <laughs> Mistletoe, bah. That's just poison ivy with berries. <laughs> uh, well, we'll put some up, Alice, and you'll see who manages to spend most of his time loitering around beneath it. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly now, dear, uh, do you like a white Christmas tree? Well, I like them all, Mrs. McGee. I don't care if they're purple. Gertrude always has a white one, though, and she likes them. Who's Gertrude? We know her. Oh, she's the boy who always rides past here in the cream-colored Cadillac and honks his horn, sister. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I see. Well, uh, himself here used to go with a man who owned a Stutz Bearcat's knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I gave her up for an old guy with a broken-down Maxwell's daughter. <laughs> But honestly now, Alice, don't you really prefer a white Christmas tree? Well, I got awfully tired of them, Mr. McGee. When I was a little girl, my father gave us kids some little tiny paintbrushes and told us to paint a Christmas tree white. Heavenly days. It must have taken you children a long time to paint a tree with little brushes. Uh, How long did it take you, Alice? Oh, we never did get it finished. But it kept us off the streets till we were 18 years old. (laughs) Well, I got to wrap some presents. See you later. Right, kid. How all that lovely golden hair can grow out of that solid bone, I'll never know. <laughs> oh, she's awfully sweet, though, McGee. There isn't a mean thought in Alice's head. No, nor any other kind. <laughs> well, this ain't getting my tree sprayed. Where'd you leave the tree, dearie? Out in front. I can attach the vacuum cleaner cord from the porch light. Now, let me see if I get the porch... Come in. Oh, hello there, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. How are you today, pantry paunch? <laughs> Fine, Jumbo, fine. You out spreading a little Christmas cheer, telling your patients you're going to retire? Oh. <laughs> He's not going to retire for years yet, are you, Doctor? My dear, I will retire on that far distant day when I can write a personal check for $400 and not have the hired help at the Fourth National Bank burst into hysterical laughter. <laughs> Why, go on, you old miser. You got that much buried under a loose brick in the fireplace right now. Trouble with you is you got more affection for a dollar than my wife has for a pound of butter. And that's the love match of the year, fatso. (laughs) I have no right to say that, though, McGee. Dr. Gamble does more private charity work than anybody in town. Certainly. I'm a very noble character. When I walk down the street, flowers spring into bloom. Birds burst into song, and taxi cabs honk twice before they try to kill me. Well, I've got to run along now. This is my busy season, you know. I suppose the children keep you pretty busy around Christmas time, Doctor, huh? No, it's the so-called grown-ups, my dear. Huh? This is the silly season, when 200-pound men start climbing 49-cent stepladders to wire dime store angels to the tops of $3 Christmas trees and wind up in a $500 plastic cast. <laughs> Pennywise and compound fracture foolish. Don't you want to stick around and watch me trim our Christmas tree, Doc? I'm painting it white. Well, you don't have to do that, skip wit. Huh? When I put my gift for you under it, it'll turn white. <laughs> uh, 
that doggone thing. There it goes again. Clogs up like a sentimental woman at a sad movie. What seems to be the matter, dear? This paint spray goes along all right for a minute, then it chokes up. And when it comes loose again, it throws a blob of paint that'd knock IQ out of the balcony. <laughs> well, found it on the porch steps. And maybe that'll loosen it up. Okay, I will. There, now, now try it. Okay. Ah! Oh, heavenly days, McGee, you almost hit me with that. I'm sorry, kiddo, I didn't know it was loaded. Well, here we go. <laughs> there, now, just... Uh, 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 Dad ratted it, done it again. Clogged up. Well, hurry up and get the job finished, mm. McGee. It's colder than a lineman's lunch out here. Mm. Well, you go on in the house if you want. I can handle this all right. No, I've got to stay out here and tell people who you are. Huh? <laughs> you get a little more of that white paint on you, and they'll think you're a badly constructed snowman. Okay. Now, I'll have this tree sprayed before you can Watch your aim, dearie. Huh? No, you better shut it off. Here comes Mrs. Carstairs. Oh. Hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. Won't you come in the house and have a slug of tea? No, thank you, my dear. I'm just out walking my Pekingese and must hurry along. What Pekingese, Carsty? I don't see him. Oh, it was too cold for him to come along, Mr. McGee. <laughs> As long as one of us goes out, he's satisfied. Ah, oh, it's really a sweet little dog, Millicent, from what I've seen of him. Personally, I wouldn't have one of them four-legged dust mops as a gift. <laughs> Give me a man-sized dog. I ever tell you about the hunting dog I had once, Carsty, by the name of Durante? Durante? Yeah, what a nose that dog had. <laughs> Never forget one time we were walking through the woods. Me and my dog, pipe over my shoulder, gun in my mouth. What was that again? Uh, <laughs> Gun over my shoulder and pipe in my mouth When all of a sudden Durante freezes He's on point Nose quivering Tail out like a ramrod One foot in the air I raises my gun Walk slowly forward And there, not ten feet away Was a guy sitting on a stump <laughs> That was quite a dog, Mr. McGee Trained to flush game wardens, was he? No, sir I bawled the dog out And then I was never so ashamed in my life It was the smartest thing he'd ever done Why? Well, sir, I got talking to the guy, and you know what? His name was Partridge. Oh. <laughs> Henry W. Partridge. Wasn't that wonderful, Karsty? No, I don't think that's so remarkable, Mr. McGee. In the light of what a police dog of mine once did. What was that, Millicent? After all, it's so cold out tonight, the baloney won't spoil. <laughs> Well, this dog of ours was extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. One day I had him in the post office and I noticed he was staring at the police posters on the wall. Suddenly he dashed out the door and was gone. Probably went out to steal an apple off a fruit stand, Karsty. <laughs> no. When I got home, he was gripping our butler by the vest pocket and was barking into the telephone which he'd knocked off the table. When the police arrived, it turned out that Jarvis was wanted by the authorities in three states. Yes, but why was your dog holding him by the vest pocket, Millicent? That was where our butler kept his fountain pen. You see, he was wanted for forgery. <laughs> well, so nice to have seen you. Good evening. Uh, who does she think she's kidding? I don't believe a word of that stuff. I'll bet she made that whole thing up. <laughs> well, never mind her, dearie. Get busy with that paint before it freezes solid, will huh? you? Oh, oh, gee, it might have that. Well, back to work. Ah, there she blows. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Stopped up again, McGee? Yeah, the doggone thing. 
I only got about a third of this tree sprayed, too. Maybe if... Hey. What? How could Carstairs' dog be gripping the butler by the vest and barking into the phone at the same time? That's the first portion of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from December 18, 1945. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to Fibber McGee and Molly from 1945. Then, a good police drama for Christmas time called The 21st Precinct. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.